Yep. Amen. I was thinking uh, the last time I spoke up here, I was still in shock mode. We were living in the apartment, and I think I was working. Pretty sure I was. And uh, now I have an Oklahoma license, Oklahoma plates, Oklahoma address, and I'm still getting jury summons from Shasta County. <laughs> isn't that awesome? But uh, isn't this, hasn't this been one of the best weather-wise summers I mean, I've ever experienced, especially in the last 15 years, there's been no smoke, there's been no forest fires. Uh, it's rained at least 15 times. There's been times where it's been cool enough to wear a sweater in the morning, but I mean, August and it's barely 100 degrees. I, you just can't beat it. I was uh, talking to somebody back in California and, and he was asking, oh, the humidity must be miserable there. I said, no, it's great. It actually makes me sweat. It feels good. It's like a natural air conditioning. It's not that baking 115 degree heat that you get in California. And uh, so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this uh, new area and uh, new adventure. And like, like Rodney said this morning, the last six months has been uh, a roller coaster ride of all kinds of different events in all of our lives. And I just appreciate the, the body that we're in and uh, just putting, putting this uh, message together yesterday. I I don't feel worthy to speak up here. Uh, it is all of the the great teachers and pastors that we have come speak up here. I just uh, I'm trying to put something together, and I feel like I'm kind of the, the the raw, unfiltered guy up here. Everybody else seems like they're polished and schooled, but none of us are. But <laughs> uh, I just I don't do a lot of public speaking. This is really all the public speaking I do. But uh, I, I just want to be a servant to the Lord and, and uh, be obedient to his calling. And uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the bride and the groom tonight. That's what I want to speak on. So let's give glory to the Lord. Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to be able to fellowship together and just receive of your word tonight, Lord Jesus, that you would be glorified and lifted on high, Lord Jesus, not to us, but to you be the glory, Lord. And pray that you would just speak to your servant, Lord that you would prepare our hearts, Lord Jesus, and we give you the glory. Amen. Uh, so I, I feel like lately a lot of the messages, I know last time I spoke, I spoke about uh, denominations, but it seems to me a lot of the messages that we've been hearing lately has been breaking down traditions, breaking down uh, things that men have implemented, especially in church, things that we have become religious in and defend without knowing really what we're defending and we want to be completely transparent and surrender everything that we are to Jesus because that's who we serve that's who our Lord is and I want to look at the bride and the groom because Christ is always comparing the relationship with the church and himself as he is a bridegroom and the church is the bride and I feel that the church has not been a good bride there there is a, a complete breaking away of the values that a church, a Christian, is supposed to hold and supposed to defend. And I feel like we, we don't have that, especially in America. We can see that in our culture and everything that all of the values, all of the systems that are breaking down and, and things that you would have thought would never happen are happening. And it just gets crazier every day. 
And I, I, I feel for the next generation. I feel for the young people growing up. And I'm thankful for this body that we're going to bring up our young ones and instill the values that Christ has instilled in us and promote that and that they can go promote that to the world because the world is lost and dying no matter what. Um, so I just wanted to uh, take a look at this. My first scripture is going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 27. And I have to pull it up on my Bible app. Ephesians 5, 22 through 27. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesians church. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as a church also, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The Lord wants a pure church, a holy church, unblemished, unspotted, without wrinkle, just pure white as snow. That's what he expects, that's what he presents to himself, and that's what he desires. And that's what we should uphold, those values, as we fellowship together and call ourselves his sons and daughters. And I, I know that a lot, of, a lot of you are preparing to go to a wedding and see uh, two young people get married. And we've had a lot of young people get married recently. And uh, it's something that all of us, as, as young people growing up, we, we want to find that relationship. We want to find uh, a significant other and get married. And... I feel like part of that searching and longing in our heart is, is just something that the Lord puts in our heart because he, he wants to model that relationship as husband and wife with the relationship that he has with his church that we're all going to be part of. And it, it's, it's just a part of the calling in Christ. It says in Proverbs 18:22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And Ephesians 5.31 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I was walking with Jennifer yesterday in the afternoon and kind of giving her a little preview of the message. It, it, it's, not, it's a lot more than just becoming one in the flesh. You're, you're pretty much one in everything with your spouse. You, you, you grow together. You you learn more and more about one another. And, and if your foundation is in Christ, if you prioritize that, then you will love each other in a pure way. And it will grow more and more every day. And, and you will be best friends and you'll be complete together. And that relationship should model the way we walk out our faith to others, to our children, to our coworkers, to our church body. The, the way we treat our spouse should model and should be an example of the love that we have for Christ, the way we treat each other in our households, the way we promote that, the way we, you know, run our households. Those, those types of things will, will prove the measure of love that we have for Christ. And all, all of this is just kind of a prelude to 
what I really wanted to speak of is, is I really wanted to talk about divorce tonight. I wanted to talk about how the church in whole has divorced, divorced itself from the bridegroom. And so I, I looked up statistics about the most common causes for divorce as far as between a husband and a wife. Uh, so th- this is, these are uh, not really stats, but eight common reasons that would cause divorce in a relationship. And I wanted, I, I kind of like to do this. I like to compare and contrast uh, spiritual and physical things. And so I want to take a look at this. Uh, so the eight common reasons that marriage is in. Uh, number one is lack of commitment. And I, I feel that the church has had a lack of commitment to Christ. There's been, there's been no pursuit. There's been a letting go of everything. There's been chasing every wind of doctrine and no commitment to his word and his calling in our lives. And if, if you're not committed to your spouse when you go up there and give the vows, if you're not committed 100%, then you're going to fall for everything. You're going to be broken. You're going to chase lots of things, and you're not going to have a strong relationship with your spouse. It's not going to be built up. And you're, you're going to lose a lot because we need to communicate with each other. I need to communicate with Jennifer every day. We need to be on the same page. And I need to communicate with my Lord every single day. I mean, I, I don't say I love you, Jesus, as much as I say I love you to Jennifer. And that's something that I thought of. But I do. I love my Lord tremendously. And it's a different, in a different way that I love Jennifer. But he has given me that, that pure love that we have for each other. And I love him more because of it, and our relationship is whole because of Christ. It says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 61, And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God, to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. We need to stay fully committed to him every single day of our lives. And we, we need to uphold those values of every moment of our life, and we need to be committed to that cause and be in it for the long haul. I, I see so many, uh, we've been working at the Walmart warehouse, and I forgot who I was talking. I think it was Rodney, but in the last two months, we hired about 25 people, and 24 of them quit. There's, there's no commitment for hard work. Nobody, nobody wants to do, give the effort. Nobody wants to, you know, actually, you know, work hard. And, and be committed to one thing. And it's, it's hard to find that because there's so, much, so many things just, you know, pulling everyone in different directions. And so the second common reason for divorce is incompatibility or growing apart. And uh, the one scripture I, I found on this is uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And we've seen many examples of this in the church lately. How, how much has the church accepted the values of the world? How much does the church look more like the world? I mean, we're, we're facing this transgender issue and homosexuality, and, and we see churches with homosexual preachers now. We have churches allowing transgender drag queen shows coming into their supposed church. Every, everything dark has invaded the light things, 
and completely corrupted it. And we, we have to make sure that we are not, we are not having fellowship with unrighteousness and lawlessness. We are not allowing darkness to come and corrupt what the Lord calls good. That we're not putting out that light, that we're promoting that light and not and we're making making sure we're defenders of those things because as a believer in Christ if we're yoking ourselves with unrighteousness it's not going to build anything in your life other than destruction and and if you're if you're incompatible with your spouse it's it's not going to promote more union it's going to create more division and so number 3 is a big one it's communication. And all, all these reasons, I, I got this from a, a, an attorney's website. These are all common reasons that people said they got divorced uh, just telling their attorneys. So this isn't something I, you know, I just came up on my own like I was thinking about getting divorced. Everything on this list, other than a couple of them, are going to be things that we've all struggled with, other than the young people that have only been married for like five minutes. But uh, like I said last time, Jennifer and I just celebrated 22 years and it's kind of put on my heart of, uh, of, of, you know, the bride and the groom and being committed. And, and the only reason that we're still together is because of Christ. So communication is, is a huge key. I, I always talk to Hayden about this because I'm trying to prepare him for his future wife. Because if he doesn't communicate, then bad things happen. You got to be on the same page. Uh, we have to know what what each other what we want uh we have to know where we're going uh what's going on and i was thinking about it and i feel like kind of uh and this is just my thoughts it might not be right but how we're kind of segregated as we see uh in the church and uh how these couples kind of argue i've heard some stories but i feel like maybe over here in this section is kind of like the throwing people people throw things we got kind of the yelling match streamers over here and we got the passive-aggressive silent treatment right here. That's kind of my section. That's how I am. So get the cold shoulder. And everybody kind of jokes because uh, they heard the story about when Jen and I get in an argument, usually she cleans the whole house. So it's still true to this day. Unless you come over on Monday morning, that's when we're cleaning the house. But if it's Thursday night and she's cleaning, we're probably in a fight. <laughs> but communication is important in a church as well. We, we need to communicate with our Lord. And James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We have to remember to, to hear each other first before we want to just speak our opinion. We, we need to make sure we're, we're humbled and listen and we're obedient to the calling of Christ in our lives and what he's guiding us in and, and the truth that he's directing us in. Amen? Uh, so number four, number four is adultery. And all, all of these kind of run together. Everything that the church is committing, all, all the atrocities that you, that you hear about. And I know Chris spoke about it, about um, a famous apologist preacher who I've, I have some of his books and I've heard him speak many times and just so eloquent and such an apologist and and a defender of the gospel and come out, there's, there's all this vile thing about his whole life was just complete fake and false. And adultery is, is destructive. It's, it's, it, it's not just, uh, you know, being sexually immoral. There's, there's so much of that, that God speaks of this 
so much throughout the Old Testament about Israel. And if you read Hosea and Hosea's wife, Gomer, and she was literally a harlot, and he wanted to prophesy to Israel about their relationship and how they've, they've ran after other things other than the Lord. And, and we've heard this spoken over and over and over again here. And I know adultery seems kind of self-explanatory, but we have to make sure we're, we're defending ourselves from not leaving that which, which Christ has put in our lives. And we're not seeking after other things. We're not seeking after another spirit. We're not seeking after some other exciting thing to come into our lives and, uh, you know, create the joy that we had first when we came to Christ and, and just trying to hold on to those things. We don't want to chase after anything else. And I can remember as a, as a young man, I was probably early 20s. I was at a men's breakfast uh, when I was going to Crossroads. And I think there was men from about four or five churches there. And one of the brothers that was speaking, he was a pastor of another church. And he said something that was crazy to me. We're sitting there eating breakfast and, and talking. I don't even know how the conversation came up. But he was basically saying, you know, I fear for the day when I'm sitting there in my office and that and that one woman walks in, that one Bathsheba, like she's just going to walk in and he's completely going to throw everything away because that woman's in front of him. And it kind of confused me because, you know, we, we shouldn't even have that thought or inclination like, oh, if that happens, I'm just going to completely lose my salvation because I'm alone in a room with this woman. It, it should never happen. And we shouldn't even put ourselves in that mindset. We should always be aware of what the enemy is doing and aware of, of his attacks and what he would be trying to present those little things to try to tempt us in our life. And uh, I wanted to look at uh, one of Solomon's Proverbs. And Solomon should have listened to his own advice. But Proverbs 6 Starting at verse 20, Proverbs 6, 20. Where are we at? Sorry. Proverbs 6, 20. This is going to be uh, 20 through 35. It's going to be a pretty good chunk of Scripture. And uh, this is Solomon talking about uh, the lustful woman, the adulteress. So verse 20 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law of light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. 
wound and dishonor will he get, and his reproach will not be wiped away, for jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of, ju- of vengeance. He will, not, he will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased through many gifts. And the Lord is vengeful to those who would commit adultery upon him. He reserves that judgment and that wrath for the sons of disobedience. And if the church is chasing after the harlot, how much wrath will God store up for those who have left, left him and gone looking for the seductress, the adulteress? And how, how much more destructive is that is in a relationship? I mean, I witnessed that in my life growing up. I, I witnessed that with, with my mom and, and just I, I, I saw how much destruction that can cause. And it extends to many lives still to this day. And it, it's a destructive force, and it shouldn't be happening in the church. We need to make sure we're holding it together by the calling of Christ. And uh, number five is, is finances. Uh, financial disagreements in church happen quite often. And uh, just in tithing and giving, and, and I know now in a day in a culture where we have these big, huge mega churches that are more of a corporate business, than promoting the gospel of Christ. I mean, these churches are bringing in probably billions of dollars with books and, and entertainment and music and everything that they bring in, and they're just making men rich. They're not promoting the kingdom of the Lord. And we, we have to make sure in finances that, that we, are, we, we are giving with joyful hearts. And I'm the type of guy I give. And I know we, we have meetings and elder meetings about what we're going to do with money and do we want to pursue this certain property and whatnot. I just give because I trust Pastor and all the guys here. And honestly, whatever they decide to do is, is, is great with me because I trust what's, what's going to happen with the funds here. Um, but fi- finances can be a, a struggle in a relationship. Early on, you, you know, you're kind of figuring things out and figuring out your jobs, your career, your, your home, where you're going to be. And uh, it can be more of a struggle for some than others, uh, but, but you have to be one with your, with your finances. Everything has to be, uh, you know, aligned together. And uh, there was one time, I, I don't even know, it was forever ago, Jennifer used to uh, balance a checkbook, and I don't remember what happened, but she, I got home from work, and she was bawling her brains out and crying and I didn't know what in the world was going on. She said, I made a mistake, and I never want to do this again. You're probably not going to forgive me. And I said, it's no big deal. It's fine. I, I can take care of the registry. It, it, it was a big issue for her. It wasn't for me. And uh, you, you just always have to be on the same page and communicate those things because money can be a big issue. And, and uh, just you might lose a job. You might get a new job and make more money, make less money. Well, whatever happens, you just make sure you're aligning your finances. And I think uh, something funnier was something worse that she did was uh, her and her mom's bank card were the in the same exact spot in her wallet, and she uh, paid a bill with our account instead of her mom's account. So that's just something that can happen that wasn't wasn't quite awesome. But uh, in First Timothy five through eight, it says, "But if any man, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house." He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So we, we, we need to make sure that we're doing right with what the Lord has given us, with what he has provided for us, and we're, we're honoring the substance that he's put in our life, and, and we're taking care of our family, and we're promoting the kingdom of the Lord with that. 
and we have lots of opportunity to give here. We get to give in a Brother Skip's ministry, and I'm thankful for that. We get to give to this body, and, uh, you know, whatever the Lord has in store with us as far as the building and wherever it's going to be, if we're at Desiree and Isaac's property every day, every Sunday, it, it wouldn't matter to me. If we get a building, it'd be great, but we just have to make sure we're, we're honoring the substance he gives us. Um. Uh, number six is is kind of different. Uh, this is substance abuse, and I want to kind of look at this as as addiction. And addiction can be a destructive force in uh, in our Christian life. I know Rodney kind of touched on this this morning. Uh, a lot of us here have, have dealt with different addictions in our life, and I know I, I've never been addicted to drugs or alcohol, but I have been addicted to video games. I've talked about it in depth before, and it doesn't matter if it's drugs or or alcohol or Whatever it is, it, addiction is addiction. Any any addiction that you have, if you're if you're putting ten hours into it a day, uh, and and you're just numbing yourself to life and reality, then you're destroying yourself. There's there's no no joy in life. And I can tell you, when I was going through those times, that I was completely empty in my life. There was no joy in anything. And we we have a church that's full of of addicts. There's, there's so many things to be addicted to in this world, and we need people to be addicted to Jesus. We need more people with, with joy in their hearts. We need to walk, be able to walk around and look at people's faces and not see fear and anger and hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. I, I want to see the joy that the Lord has in store for everyone, that all should come into salvation. And so substance abuse, we, we need to put nothing above the Lord and above our family. There's, there's no, no moderation. We just have to make sure that we don't meddle or flirt with addiction whatsoever. There's, there's just no gray area in it. And everyone knows this scripture, 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan's been at this game for thousands of years. He knows how to distract us. He knows how to destroy. He knows how to keep you in emptiness. And we have to make sure that we're, we're committing ourselves to the Lord every day and not allowing his, his tricks to come in and ruin what God's called good. Uh, number seven is uh, domestic abuse. And I, I wanted to compare this as far as I know none, nobody here is, is dealing with domestic abuse, but there, there is an issue with, with slander and, and uh, just churches priding themselves above, above each other. And if you've ever watched a, a oneness versus a Trinitarian debate, you would think you were seeing, uh, I don't know, it's, it's very harmful and destructive. You, you would think that they were going to ha- uh, have, have a civil, civil discourse, but many of them, uh, and, uh, they just, they hate each other. That's just what it seems like. And and you can see uh, so so much of this going on, and we have to make sure that we have the love of Christ for one another. Whether or not we go to a church and uh, it seems like we're going to get in a brawl with them, but th- those people, you know, they, I'm sure there's some people there that love the Lord. And same thing like Pastor was saying this morning about Bill Johnson and Bethel. In all of these churches and a lot of the corruption that's going on, there, there's people that are lost in the chaos. They have a heart for the Lord. And they're just being misguided. And we need more people to stand up and speak the truth and be 
be firm believers and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, not promote a building, not, not promote a ministry, but promote the gospel of Jesus Christ and stay with that and not, not be destructive, not be divisive. And I would like to see that oneness. I, I don't like the thousands and thousands of denominations that we have, and, and man holds on to those things, and we need to be broken of that tradition. We need to be whole in Christ. And we, we have to make sure that we don't abuse the grace that God has given us. And uh, number, number eight is conflict over family responsibilities. Uh, and there's, there's many, many different titles and certain things that we have in the church. And we have to make sure that we, we don't have any conflict whatsoever in, in what's going on, your function in the body, and what you're doing, because we're, we're all called to be disciples of Christ, and that's, that's the ultimate calling. We need to make sure our lives are surrendered to him completely. And something that can happen, uh, I, I, was, I was thinking about this, because Jennifer and I are going to be empty nesters soon, and uh, I've seen this happen to uh, two families that I looked up to, our, our aunt and uncle, and uh, they, they were married for so long, for 18, 19 years, and then just all of a sudden, nothing divorce over and they had three kids three kids together and i think a lot of the focus that families can have uh, especially husbands and wives we get we get together we get married at a young age we have kids very young and there's so much distraction going on through the next 20 plus years of your life and the kids move out and you're looking at each other going i don't even know who you are and that's that's part of that communication, all of these things tie in. We, we need to put all those things together and make sure that we are, we are one with the love of our youth because it says that in Scripture. It says don't forget the love of your youth. And when your kids grow up and move out, you're, you're, you're pouring that into them so that they can go on and do this in their own life. And we have to make sure that we're aligned with our spouse, we're aligned with Christ, and we love them completely every single day and there's no mistake in it. So that when the house is empty and it's just you, that it's just another stage in life where there's more joy to come. And we're, we're all in different stages of life. And uh, I, I just, I, I thank, thank the Lord that uh, for, for his grace and mercy and his truth and his love because we need to put our identity in him. And I can't stress that enough. I uh, you know, I, I used to tell this to Adrian and Hayden all the time. You know, our identity is in Christ because of all, all the different things that can distract young people. Uh, there's so much pull and so much outward. The social media issue is, is so, so destructive. And our identity needs to be in Christ. And our identity needs to be in Christ every day. And no, no family responsibility or anything will, will trump that. And it says in, uh, in Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ gave himself for us, and we need to, in return, give ourselves to him wholly. We can't hold anything back. We can't hide anything on the side. We, we have to make sure that no, none of these things are distracting us 
or dividing us from what Christ would have in our life. And we're, we're a whole church body presented unblemished to Christ. His, his bride that he looks at as unwrinkled, unblemished, and pure, and holy. Because, uh, and I'm closing here, there, there's, just, there's a constant attack on the true church, on true believers in Christ. Because somebody from the world who would look at the church would say the church is just full of hypocrites. You know, everybody that gets involved in any of these things, how many pastors are caught in adultery, how many pastors are caught in addiction, how... Every single day you turn on the news and or you hear something that, that's going on in some church, some mega church, some small church, some, you know, just crazy things going on. And there's just a constant attack. And everybody in the world is going to see the church as that big, big common thing. But it's not. The, the pure church that Christ wants to present is, is something that we need, we need to work hard and commit ourselves to every day. Because uh, I wanted to finish with this scripture in Malachi because God hates divorce. It's Malachi chapter 2. So let, let me close in this scripture. I know I was kind of all over the place. I hope this kind of made sense about, about honoring the Lord with, uh, in, in the church and how we model that relationship in our marriage. And it just goes for young people too that, that your relationship needs to be whole in Christ. But in Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 13 through 16, it says, and this is the second thing you do, you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, whom you have dealt with treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant, but he did not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit. And why? He seeks godly offspring. He seeks godly offspring, therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. It doesn't matter if we're talking about the church or if we're talking about our relationship with our spouse. God calls us to be fruitful, to, to grow disciples in Christ, whether it be our children or whether it be the church body. He wants us to bring up pure offspring, bring up offspring that would glorify Christ in all that they do, and all that we do must give glory to Christ. And we have to make sure that we're doing everything that we can. That way we're not involved in a divorce. We want to hold everything together and be pure and true in our relationship with Christ. Amen?